Yeah, Joe. Hey, man. Hey, welcome Joe DeRose to the podcast. Thanks for having me, dude. How's well, it going? It's going pretty good. You know, obviously there's some, been some technical issues, which is uh, I find to be frustrating, but otherwise, you know, that's pretty much life, right? Joe DeRosa. <laughs> Joe DeRosa. What's that thing? Joe DeRosa. It's your name. What's that machine, though? Joe it's DeRosa. A, it's a little card reader. Oh, that's cool. Joe DeRosa. How do you record to it? It's just a magnetic strip. Simple you just as that. Put it in and record anything. Yeah, it's they teach. They use kids. Uh, teach. Uh, use it for kids to teach them to learn foreign languages and stuff. Oh, that's fucking cool, man. Mm-hmm. Where'd you yeah. get that thing? I got it online. How much does something like that cost? It's pretty cheap. This is a this is a vintage piece of crap that probably came from some closing school in the greater Dallas Fort Worth area. So I think it was just, this was under fifty bucks, which oh, is essentially cool. free, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially if you put on a credit card. Yeah. Did you get cards? Did they come with cards? It came with cards. I wasn't sure if it was going to have cards, but it did have cards. And, uh... So what's that noise? That just said no, so it's some buzz. I think I just like the sound of that buzz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. <laughs> so you have only, Don't like... Don't forget to Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You only have like 10 seconds to get your thing out. Exactly. So you don't have everything you need. Where'd you get that buzz from, though? I recorded it. Like from what, though? From Live just that buzz? Yeah. I just recorded it. <laughs> Where did I get a buzz from? Just a buzz. Yeah, like what was making the buzz? It's probably just a ground hum. You know, you know what I mean? mean? It's not like it just buzzes happening all the time. Well, I was trying to record some stuff at the live show that we that Josh and I do. Uh, first Sunday of the month at the Satellite. Kiss yeah. my ass. Come on down. You haven't done it yet, have you? No. You should but come it. But it rivals... Uh, well, well, I have a competing oh, show at the same time called Suck My Dick. So oh, it's yeah. tough <laughs> for me to get over to your show. <laughs> no, I'm supposed to come do it in October. Okay, yeah. So you are on it. I knew it. I and, think. And you're slated. You're slated. Yeah, I love being slated. How's the temperature in here for you? The temperature's fine. I'm not feeling too well today. I could tell. You came in, you looked a little peaked. Uh, my stomach has been hurting for the last three days. Okay. A- after breakfast every day, and I don't know why that's happening. Um, let's, let's, go, let's go through this now. Okay, so your stomach's been hurting every day after breakfast. Yeah. What happened three days ago? Nothing. I thought it was what I was eating for breakfast. Right. And then I changed it, and it still hurts. But... What would you? What did you have for breakfast that, that day? That day I had bacon, eggs, and asparagus. Okay, that sounds pretty pretty par for the course. Yeah, and uh, so the first day I thought, oh, maybe I undercooked the bacon. Yeah. So then the second day I really like overcooked it. Yep. And then I still had it, and I was like, <laughs> only after I ate though, not before, only after. Yeah. Uh, then I was like, okay, it's got to be the asparagus then that's not agreeing with me so then today i just had eggs and no asparagus right and some steak left over <laughs> like i cut it up into little pieces right? and i still had the fucking stomach ache again okay. so now i'm like is it eggs uh could be but uh i mean why would it be i'm trying to think here um maybe because i'm cooking them in in butter is that new yeah it's new huh yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't think butter. Yeah, no. I've used margarine my whole life, and I just started using real butter. That's probably what it is. I guess so. But also, it could be, are you having, do you have any kind of stress in your life that's new? 
Not that I know of. Not that you know of. No, not really. Hmm. I mean, nothing like alarming or... I mean, the key to most digestive issues is uh, to take away one thing at a time, and then when it goes away, it's the thing you took away last. Well, I know. That's what I was trying to yeah. do. So tomorrow I'll try no butter, I guess. <laughs> Hi, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the uh, the Bowel Health Podcast, uh, where <laughs> gentlemen in their 30s talk about mild digestive issues. I'm 40 now. Yeah, that's a great age. I'm I think just, it's pretty cool. I think I'm looking forward to 40. I really am. Well, that's because you're 36. I guess, but don't you realize that, that uh, I mean, did you not look forward to it? No, I, I, I'm so far I'm enjoying it. I feel like it'll be a fruitful decade, <laughs> you know? I had to get to, I, I've, I've grown better as I've gotten older. I, I, I think I, I, it seemed very real to me that um, 40 to 50 is the decade for me and not 30 to 40, which is what it is for most people. I, I don't know. What, what do you mean most people, though? I find the entertainment business, you know, most of my friends, people yeah. I know, they're all getting TV shows and stuff. What do you mean, getting TV shows? Like like big TV shows and things. Like acting on them? Well, that and like their own shows, like whatever yeah. it is. That usually happens in their 30s. I think for me that'll happen in my 40s. I think so, too. I'm just that kind of guy. I'm a 40s kind of guy. I'm not a 30s kind of guy. I think 30s is, is old hat. You know, I it's think dumb. it's dumb. bullshit. It's, 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 it's trite. <laughs> Being 30 is so trite. It's so dumb. It's what about really... 20s? That's really 20s stupid. is, you look back on 20s and you're like, holy shit, who is that person? Yeah. Who's that person? Oh, God, how did they survive? You know what I mean? It's, you know, look it's, back on it and it's, it's just... It's, and it's I know absurd. there's a lot of people in their 20s listening to this thinking, well, thank God I'm not like that. No, you are. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah, you're an idiot, but it's okay. Like, you It'll should pass. be. You should be an idiot. You have to... You got to be an idiot sometime. It'll pass. And, you know, but, but, every, but everybody, including you and me... When we were that age, would be like, I'm not, but I'm not an idiot. Like, you have such an incessant uh, uh, drive to fight. To just, to. At that age. Yeah. You know, no, no, no. And it's like, but, but, uh, but you don't understand. <laughs> and then you get into your 30s and you're like, oh, God, I was just, all I had to do was shut up. I was an idiot. You just can't see it. You just, yeah. You can't see it. I'm always surprised at the balls I had. I used to have like a lot more balls, I feel like, in terms of. I mean, I've still got a lot of balls. I'll still, I don't give a shit. Really? I'll quit this podcast if people don't donate to the fucking Patreon. I really so you will. you still got big, fat balls? I got big old fat balls. I got a lot of grievances. Um, what are uh, your grievances? Grievances? Like like a Bill O'Reilly style thing? Yeah, here? I definitely got some Bill O'Reilly style grievances. Okay. I got grievances with people who don't have fucking license plates. Why? Because they're just they're doing that on purpose. They're not registering their car because they have a car that's newer, and if they wash it enough, they think like, yeah, I don't, I don't have to get fucking. I'm not gonna register it. I'm just gonna, you know, keep it, keep the dealer plates on there. Maybe they're doing like gangster shit. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that's cool. <laughs> I, I, they're not doing gangster shit. You know that. Well, I don't know that. If I was, if you were a gangster, wouldn't you? The first thing you do is. Drive a car that was registered as opposed to a dealer plates. But I've heard around. of like I've heard of like bank robbers and stuff. Right. Like they tape up the license plates right. so nobody can get the plate number. I would just put dealer plates on there. Right. Well, maybe they don't have access to dealer plates, and then that's adding another. <laughs> that's adding another clue to your robbery. Were it there is, any? It is. That's there was true. a guy in here the other day buying dealer plates. 
You could I didn't get... think nothing of it at the time. You know, I didn't think nothing of it at the time, but this guy, yeah, that guy was asking, why was it, you know what? That's a good point. We actually got a three-tier camera system right here, high-res, even yeah. retinal scan. Good idea. That's always how they get the gangster guys. They, they always trace purchases. Don't buy anything <laughs> for, for your robbery. Just, Never buy. Yeah, use stuff that you have around the house. Don't go well, buy not around the house because it's covered in your DNA. It's well, covered. you wash that off. It's covered in your DNA. But covered. I'm telling you, they always get busted because they go to Target and they buy a thing they need for the robbery, and then they fucking they find like a like a hair from that thing on the ground, and then they trace it to Target. Are you taking this from an example from something like historically movies? Like what movie I'm thinking here? Well, I'm thinking of Heat. Heat. Okay, that's a great movie. When they uh, I just cracked a can of Red Bull. By the way, it's an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. I would love to drink some of that, but I'm not on sugar right now. That's part of this diet I'm doing. What is it? What are you doing? Ketogenic. Why? Because I had to lose some weight. Oh, had to? I mean, I had, there wasn't doctor's orders, but I was definitely a few pounds overweight, and my cholesterol was a little elevated. Okay, so, so that's a thing. You know, I mean, it wasn't anything terrible. But it works. I'm dropping weight like a fuck, but I've just had this <laughs> Like a fuck? What do you mean, like a fuck? <laughs> like a this lot. Is, listeners, this is why I love Joe Rosa. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Live to Tape with Johnny Pemberton. I've cooled down a bit. Um, no I get, more issues? I get, no I get, grievances. I get really frustrated with technical stuff. I get, like, super frustrated sometimes, and well, I, I don't want to lose my sh- I lose. I get, like... It's annoying when it doesn't work. Yeah, when things don't work for me, like the Roland VT3 that's crapped out on me twice. Dear Roland, I use your product more than any motherfucking person who's ever bought one. I know for a fact no one has used this thing as much as me. I fucking know it. Right. I've logged... Hundreds, maybe thousands of hours of the VT3. Are you on it every day? Um, it was a point I was on it every day. Yeah. What were you doing? The old podcast. When I do the live show with Dicker, like the character I do, that's what right. I use to affect my voice. Right. This is just fucking trade secrets going out the fucking window here to all you assholes listening for free. <laughs> Right. Listening for free, just dipping in here. Right. One of, the, one of the best produced podcasts in the world. You do put a lot into it. We just kind of come in and... Yeah, I know you do. And that's not nothing wrong with that. I think that's probably great, actually. I wrote a... That's I what wrote, I should be doing. You know, I wrote theme music and it plays and then we just talk. Well, let me just uh, intro this podcast here real quick. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're listening to Live to Tape on the Feral Audio with Johnny Pemberton. My guest today is Joe DeRosa. He's a multifaceted, multi-talented guy. To to whittle him down to just one thing would be a fucking crime. And you whittle should, me down. I was gonna say winnow. Isn't that we say winnow down? Whittle, whittle down. Like Isn't winnow me? Doesn't that mean something too? Winnowed. Like you whittle a stick. But there's also the word winnow. I don't I'm making know that, that up. Word. Either way, you need to rate and review the podcast on whatever. De- device you listen to it on also go to the the itunes or wherever you get your podcast subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered to you regularly as joe strokes his inflamed belly also be sure to check out the twitter where i post the music from the episode and also go to the patreon it's just been set up live to tape the patreon account and you can engage with the podcast in a monetary way that will make you feel good about all the free shit you've been getting from me for years and you can get some freebies, like bonus contents, all posted on the Patreon. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Also, I'm going to start doing ads here now, too. Have you never done ads in No, I haven't. 
in four and a half years? I did one ad from the old podcast. Uh, it was for the T-shirt company that made the T-shirts for me. And I think I did one ad for Adam and Eve like way back when. Otherwise, I never done it because I just felt like it was giving listeners a premium experience by not having ads because it's not like like I don't do this for a living. I'm not a this is not my this is not like what I do for a living. Right. I'm an actor. I'm a comedian. Right. But you act a lot. I guess so. I could act more. I would always I'd like to act more. But uh, are you an offer only guy at this point? Depends on what it is, but usually Yeah? I mean, if I like something, I'll audition for it. But you're 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 you've gotten to offer only status. I dream of that. I that's not you know, I'm not there's not like a you don't walk through a door. It's not like, "Oh, you're offer only now." Right. I'm offer only for some things. But I'm offer only for nothing. I, I have to audition <laughs> for everything stuff. You do? Yeah. Well, you should try actually. I'm not being um whatever the word is, but you should try passing on something that you think you shouldn't have to audition for. Okay. And then maybe that will help. Sometimes that can be a thing. Yeah, I do that all the time. Well, and then they never call me and nothing I guess. happens. <laughs> I figure you have to be offered a few things blindly before you can go to offer only, right? Or do you just have to amass enough credits? Like how does that work? I don't think I honestly think there's no way to do it. Like like I said, I don't I only I'll do take offers for some things cuz it's just like I don't feel like I have the time to think about it otherwise because it's too much to, it's to have to prepare something for someone where I'm like oh I I can do this right but at the same time there's also this thing where there's some of the, some of the best projects I've ever worked on I was really close to being this just offer this to me I'm not going to waste my time with this and then I was like I took my head I shrunk my head down a little bit and I just oh I'll just do it it'll be fun right and then I do it and it's fun and it ends up being, like, the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I find that sometimes some of the best uh, or the work I've been most proud of is when you hit that point and you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to – I'm ready to go home. Right. And then you break through the wall and then you go, oh, here's the thing we were trying to get to. Because it does get frustrating sometimes. We're talking about on, talking about on set or talking about for auditioning on, for something? On set. Yeah. I mean, not that I've thought that many times, but, like – you know, you hit frustrated moments sometimes where you feel like you can't get what the director wants. And in the back of your head, you're like, I, I hope he just sends me home. Like, well, I can't do this. And then, and then something snaps, and then you go, oh, shit, no, we found it. How do you feel for a be on Better Call Saul? That's always very calm and easy. Okay, because I watch you on there, and I fucking love it. Like, I can't stand how much I like seeing you on that show. Well, thanks, man. It's like this thing where... You're getting you. You're like, that's you. You're playing yourself. <laughs> Don't you think that? Or no? Uh, I mean, it's very, it, yeah. I mean, it's very, well, in the sense of mannerisms and, and, and the way I speak and stuff, sure, yeah. It's very, it's very natural, and that, that's how they like it. Um, but I'm not at all like that character. I would never. Yeah, uh, you're, not, you're not a crooked vet. Yeah, I'm not a crooked vet, <laughs> and I don't care as anywhere near about animals the way the character does. That's not true, though. Well, I have a dog that I love very much, but I yeah, mean, yeah, that right he, there. Most people don't have dogs. That character like, cares about fish, and he really yeah. loves animals. Uh, but you have that—you have that softness to you. 
I think uh, you do. I feel like you do. I have a softness. I just don't like. I I would never yell at somebody over the way a cat was treated. Okay, like, I could see you doing it though. Like if, the second you said that, I see it. I see it right away. It, don't get me wrong. If I saw somebody beating a cat, I would <laughs> I would step in. But yeah. I mean, like if I saw a cat in somebody's backyard, yeah, I wouldn't take the time to be like. Is that cat mangy? Is it this? Is it that? <laughs> like, there would just be no, nothing in my head would go off to make me think, like, I should look into that. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the character w- would. He's very, like... But he's a vet, though. Well, yeah. So that's, that's literally that's his where, job. Well, that's why I'm saying we're different in yeah. certain certain ways. But I feel like... But, the, yeah, I'm not the, going into, I'm not doing an accent and a limp. But you just, <laughs> it's this thing where, I don't know, I, I, I could, something I wish I could step outside of myself and... Tell me what I'm telling you about something. So I'm like, okay, oh, that's that's the right track. I don't understand what you're saying. Like I see you on that show, and I'm like, oh, this is effortless. It's so funny. It's so compelling. Uh-huh. Like this guy, because it's like this guy, because you, you're from the East Coast. Yeah. You have an East Coast accent. Not strong, but you right. have an accent. Yeah, it's there. You kind of have like that like old school, almost wise guy style of of, yes. You just have that about you. Yes. Yet you're playing this character who is like, like you're saying, he's very uh, loves animals. Yes. So he's 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 uh, on the wrong side of the law, but he's a good guy. Like I feel like that's the whole universe of Vince Gilligan is always people who are, uh, what do you call it, uh, chaotic good. Yeah, I, I, I think there. Are, you know, he seems to 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 write people that are. Um... You know, that are trying to do their best, but are just in situations where they're where they're like, hey, this is life and this is what you do to get by. So they're, they're, you know? they're going against the law, but they are they're, you're, they're the good guy. You're rooting for them. It's got a nice. You know, I'm not saying that people in, quote, real life, unquote, do that all the time, but I think that that scenario is a nice metaphor for for the real world. You know, um, you know, we live in L.A. Right. Live in a pretty, you know, precious little bubble out here. Everybody has the same sort of progressive ideas and everything is pleasant and nice for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when you when you go to the real world, you, you know, in other places and other cities that aren't the, you know, nucleus of the entertainment business and where it's not sunny all the time mm-hmm. and where uh, there isn't as much affluence in these things, it's like you, you, you realize, like, oh, like, real people have to do things to get by. And I'm not saying illegal things, but I'm just saying, like, you have to do what you have to do to get by. That's what always annoys me about the preachy vegans and vegetarians. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like, do you realize that, like, people that don't make as much money as you can't afford to eat that way? Do you <laughs> fucking get that? Anybody can eat this. No, no, no. Not anybody. Because these people can't afford all the fucking supplements you're having mailed to your house every yeah, month to make you... up for your weirdo fucking no meat diet. <laughs> so, it, you know, it's shit like that. Like, right. I was bitching on my podcast yesterday about... Say uh, your podcast. Say oh, Emotional Hangs with Kurt Braunholer. Emotional Hangs with Kurt Braunholer. And Joe DeRosa. And Joe DeRosa. And then I also have a podcast called We'll See You in Hell, which you, is really? uh, Patrick Walsh and myself. It's about horror movies. All right. 
That's um, what we'll get into that too, because you're a you're a horror guy. Huge, mm-hmm. <laughs> huge. I am. Uh, but uh, that's so cool too. That's the other thing. When I first met you, it's like, oh, this guy's really into horror movies. <laughs> like this guy, like busted my chops in a van in Toronto. Did I bust your chops? It was like a like a fun bust chops. You know, I it feel like, like it was more Andy busting Andy Kindler busting everybody's chops, and all of us. Just swinging back at Andy Kindler. Maybe. This is on the way to the hotel, right? From the airport. Yeah. We were on that transport van. Yeah. And I hadn't, I, you and I had never met. And it was like this thing where, I don't know. It's like, it's a, it's always a fun thing when you get to know someone in the span of a drive and you go from thinking one thing about them when you first meet them and be like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. One of the strangest uh, van rides I ever had. And I'm friends with both of these guys. I like them both very much. Um, but it was a very weird combination. It was me, Eugene Merman, and Bobby Slayton. <laughs> How Which, was it? Was, did Eugene talk Everybody much? got along really well. Really? But it was like weird. It was just weird. Because Bobby Slayton, uh, if you don't know, is, his nickname is the Pitbull of Comedy. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, you know, and he's very much one of these, you know. He's, a New York comic. He's very, super East Coast. Yeah. His act is... He would hate you know, me. No, there's like... Th- I don't think he would hate so you. Say, oh, what do you, what do you know all these fucking sounds and stuff? You fuck, oh, what is that? Oh, wait, you trying to make me sound like a fucking fruitcake here with this? Uh, oh, got sounds going on? Sound, fucking sounds. Oh, okay, cool. We got sound guy over here. Uh, what do you, what are you fucking little, little kid sound guy fucking around I, sucking on a sucking on a goldfish dick? Huh? I don't know if he, would, I don't know if he would attack you like that, <laughs> but, but anyway, they're polar opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, you know, so it's just. Uh, uh, it's just very, it's just very interesting. It was just very interesting to watch them interact. Yeah. Um, it is fun to see that, like the the different dynamics of people. It's a lot of times people think that certain people won't get along. Usually, it's the opposite. I feel like it's a thing people get along, oftentimes who don't have less in common. But it's like a thing because they're both interested in the other person for what they like that's different than them. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, on, on, on paper, you and I probably wouldn't be... Right. Not compatible. friends. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I like you quite a bit. <laughs> Me too. Well, that's the thing too. You can't judge a book by its cover and it's like... But you do all the time. You know, I everyone does. I do all the time, all the goddamn time. But it's you're like a guy... Nature. Like, if I heard your... If I didn't know you yeah. and I heard your podcast and I saw your choice of clothing and stuff like that... And the shows, the type of live shows you do, I'd say, well, that guy might be kind of precious and sensitive <laughs> and all these things. And it's like you have a pretty dark side and you can joke in like really crass and gross ways, which I like. Uh-huh. That's how I am, too. Um, you know, I can't. But then I'll meet other people that I think are super cool. And then you'll make like oh. one one like off color joke. And they're like, oh, really? And you're like, yeah, because I'm just talking to you right now. And I'm just being ridiculous. Yeah, it's just we're 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 all dying really fast. Yeah. So. um, So anyway, but anyway, the I was bitching about on my podcast. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm running the show here. Uh, (laughs) I'm kidding. I would swing it back around. Uh, no, I, 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 I was bitching on my podcast about this guy in my neighborhood that put up a sign. Oh, sign people. Yeah. And it said, I run my house on solar energy. Right. So I took a picture of it and I posted it <laughs> and I, and the tweet Where did was, you post it on Twitter. Yeah. And I, the tweet was, does your, does your fucking ego run on it too? <laughs> and, uh, 
And people were actually like, what's so bad about that? And it's like, because do you understand that that costs a considerable amount of money to do? Mm-hmm. And this guy's waving his dick around as if everybody should just be doing it because? I can't imagine that, like, oh. It's like such a gross thing to do. And it's like, yeah. and again, like, I, I, I don't really like using the term the real world. But it's like, <laughs> fucking go out to, like, you know. Anywhere. Get out to anywhere. Get out to anywhere that's not New York or Los Angeles. And you start to realize, like, oh, the rest of the country doesn't live this way. Like, they have other problems that, you know, that they can't even... They can't even entertain the idea of solar powering their homes. Well, there's you know? too many fucking clouds, for one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's another part. Yeah. Yeah, it's really easy to solar power everything when you live in L.A. and it's right. sunny till 9 p.m. every fucking night. Yeah. Um, that sign, though, that's incredible. I can't imagine that someone would actually feel that way about you commenting on that because that's, that's an obvious thing. Like, what a fucking douchebag. I know it's just like such a dildo. Can I have an award? Does it have like a little spot you can donate to him as like a thank you, or maybe like an award? No, it was from the company. Oh, like the company that did it. It was their sign. Still, take it down. Yeah, I have a real problem with branding and labeling. I think there's there's I, too much of that crap all the time. I mean, yeah, it gets a little irritating after a while. I I don't have a problem with sponsorship, and you know that's different. And I, I don't like. care that's if I'm different. watching a TV show and somebody's drinking a Coke with the label perfectly facing the camera. Yeah, you know that kind of shit never bothers me. But uh, what do you mean by what, like when you say branding and labeling though? Like what do the you... way that everything has uh, a label or brand on it. It, it even like like a, like a, here's what gets me the most when you see someone who has a house or any any place that has a landscaping type thing, and you see, this is sort of aside from that, but you see the tag from Home Depot or the nursery still on the plant. Yeah, that's like, stupid. Like, take it off. That's stupid. Or anytime you see, like, a label for the brand of the thing that's prominently displayed, and it's something like, like a fence, like the that's fence stupid. company. Take off the fucking fence company's... Well, I won't, I won't buy shit that does that. Like, I'll buy... The only thing I'll make an exception for is Penguin. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I like a, I like some of the Penguin shirts, and right. I think the Penguin logo looks kind of cool. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tolerate it for that. Yeah. But, like, I won't buy shit at... Um, what's a store that does it? The Gap's gotten really great about not doing it anymore. Wasn't that their whole thing? It was. And the Gap now has, like, some of my favorite T-shirts I got at the Gap, and they look like I got them in some fucking thrift store somewhere. I want to put you on the mag strip saying, the Gap's got some of my favorite. They do. <laughs> Let me see if I can record it here. I'll, I'll set it up. But, yeah, the Gap, huh? Yeah, I got a really cool Madonna T-shirt there. and Madonna T-shirt? Yeah, I got a really cool uh, Van Halen T-shirt there. That's the other thing I was super surprised about is how much you like uh, a lot of the same music that I do. What do you? Who do you like? You like Zappa. I love Zappa. I know, but that's like most I have people. A tattoo right there. I didn't know that. Let me see that shit. It's a Zappa lives. Oh shit! Most I people kind... don't like Frank Zappa, and even if they do, it's just it's one of those things where I feel like Zappa, regardless of what of his catalog you like, it just basically says. Oh, I actually like music. I don't just because you know what I'm saying, right? It's it's like a what's mm. it called? I think it's called like a phenotype, or I would almost liken it to a musical dog whistle. You know about dog whistles now in the political arena? No, it's a term that people use for certain language that the alt right uses 
Oh, to like set off the other side or whatever? Well, the opposite, actually. It's a dog whistle because you know how a dog whistle works where it's a high pitch. Humans can't oh, hear it, but okay. dogs can. So this is like the parentheses thing. It's like, I don't even know what that is. Well, that's the, the Jewish, the thing, wait, no, that's that's left because that the parentheses thing was, I think, shows that you are, that you're not anti-Semitic, but I oh, think okay. if you... F- I've I never think even heard of that. I think it started where if you flipped it the other way, it meant you were anti-Semitic, hmm. I think. Wow, well... There was some code thing on, on Twitter that you could do that meant anti-Semitism. Now i got to worry about my fucking use of parentheses. I can't remember. Either way, I, I feel like Zappa... I fucking this all up. I don't know. Well, there's certain like, language in the, the Twitter, whatever you want to call it, that people say as a dog whistle, like when Trump says something like, oh, there's all good people, or that, that's a little too, little too big. But there's stuff that supposedly when alt-right people hear it, they know he's winking like, hey, I got you. But right. to, to the media, when it's transcribed, it sounds innocuous. So this is like when Ann Coulter got that shit because she tweeted a number and the number supposedly... Yeah, it means something. Like, like white socialism or eight, some shit. Not 88. Or, there's some, or white nationalism. There's some number that's a Hitler number. I can't think what it is. Yeah. I'm glad I don't know it, actually. <laughs> but the... Uh, yeah. A zap is a dog whistle. It's like if someone likes Zappa... I agree. I also feel like if someone likes metal, if they actually like metal, they can't be that bad of a person. I agree. I've never met a bad metalhead. Yeah, I've never met... In my life. Uh, Don Jameson and Jim Florentine are two of my favorite people on planet Earth. Right. And they're they're as tried and true metalheads as as you can get. But, uh, I mean, there's no two more decent men you'd like to spend your time with. It's also something where I feel like I would trust a metalhead with my kids if I had kids over pretty much any other type of genre of listener. Well, metalheads are always surprisingly affectionate and caring. Yeah. My friend Kit's a metalhead, and I mean like hardcore. Like the the slime, the grunge. Like thrash. I feel like he probably listens to Norwegian death metal and all that, you know. He's I love pretty, that shit. The black metal. He's pretty. Yeah. yeah, he's he's pretty hardcore, and he he's got a kid and a grandkid, and he's extremely affectionate, and he was a vegetarian for many years. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, my friend Chris Herzog is like that. Uh, really? Yeah, I, who uh, a guy that I kind of grew up with, but he was a big metalhead, and he's like, but he also loves the band Fish. I, I used to like the band <laughs> Fish know? quite a bit too. Yeah. Yeah, Fish is less of a dog whistle, but I think Zappa. Is well, I just mean that he's a metalhead, but he's sensitive because he likes fish. <laughs> he's not like fuck that, yeah, fucking weak fuck that shit. hippie shit. Yeah, what do you want to say, Joe? Let's say it nice and loud off mic. Ready? And I'll say three, two, one. You say it. Ready? Three, two, one. My favorite T-shirts come from the Gap. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be good. My favorite T-shirts come from the Gap. Come from the Gap. T-shirts come from the Gap. T-shirts. My favorite t- Oh shit, this thing's fucking up. My favorite t- t-shirts come from the gap. Gap from the My favorite t- favorite t- I don't think you're supposed to do that with you're it. You're not. T-shirts yeah. come from the gap. Favorite t-shirts come from the gap. Fun. There you go. Well, how long before that breaks? Um I bet it will never break. These things are made for children to use, so it's like they could probably drop this down some stairs. Mag tape, mag readers are notoriously uh, robust. Did you just make that up? Uh, sort of, but I mean, I'm pretty sure that, I mean, 
you don't have to worry about scratching that or anything. It's just it's this big fucking mag strip reader, you know? I just mean the inside running oh, the thing back and forth. I think that's fine because it's not it's if it moves, it's not gripping it too bad. What year look, is that from? This is probably from the eighties something. I don't know, eighty four. It is in pristine condition. Like most things in education, it hasn't been used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is spotless, man. Mm-hmm. That looks like it just came off the line. It just came off. Yeah, we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a a quarter inch card reader known as a caliphone. It uh, it can record onto a magnetic strip on a piece of paper and play it back like we just did here on live to tape on the Fair Audio Network with Joe DeRosa. It was very cool. Thanks, the uh, uh, I uh, oh, you know what else is wrong today? What? I slept on my couch last night. Why? Because the old ball and chain threw me out of the bedroom. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you guys, you're a single guy, though, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm single. Okay. I, I, uh, I, because uh, I was kind of hanging out with my dog, and I don't let him sleep in my bed. What kind of dog is it? He's a little terrier mix. Well, I've met him. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The dog's I, sweet. Yeah, he's great. Um, but uh, but anyway, I don't let him sleep in my bed. But Why? we were hanging Because it's bad. Like, they get too, like... He what gets do you mean? too. My dog gets too protective when I do that. Really? He gets too attached. It's too much. Well, I don't because we have that problem with our dog, but it's like a thing where it's too late. No, you can change it in about two weeks' time. If really? You just work on it. Yeah. Well, what do you? What about your dog? What do you mean too protective? Because yeah. When I let him sleep in my bed, he get he follows me everywhere, and when I walk him, he barks at everybody. Oh, well, that's what our dog does all the time. Yeah, that's because he thinks he needs to protect you. Yeah, she definitely does. Yeah, well, you have to, you can break that. You think so? Yes. See, I think if that my girlfriend, to, though, or... won't, my girlfriend, this is like her, they're bonded. This this dog and her are, it's, they're basically the same mass of flesh. Well, I don't like my dog following me everywhere. <laughs> I like my space. <laughs> 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 I don't like the dog. The dog fucking follows me everywhere. Yeah. She, I'll be sitting at the computer typing. She'll knock my hand off the mouse and be like, <laughs> Yeah, that's, like, what that's, are you because, doing? that's because you're letting her sleep in the bed. Seriously. A lot of it stems from that. Because yeah. my dog does that too, and I don't let him sleep in the bed. And I have to, but if I go, Stop it. Mm-hmm. That's enough. Now go over there. Like he'll, he'll go, Okay. He gets it. Yeah. But like, if I don't. If I do let him sleep in the bed, it's constant. I can never get away from him. See, it's too much. Our, so our anyway, dog is too big, though. It. Our dog will sleep in the bed when I'm not in the bed, but she rarely ever sleeps with both of us because there's not enough room. She's fucking 80 pounds. So Yeah. Well, I think that they know that that's your sleeping pl- There's something about the sleeping arrangement that yeah. establishes dominance and all these other things and yeah. makes the dog more demanding and whatever. Here's my point. You slept on For the couch some last reason, night. when I sleep on the couch with him, it's fine. Oh. It doesn't cross a weird line. He understands that the bed is the is our separation place. <laughs> so, like, if we're if we're really hanging out late into the night, I'll right. I'll sleep on the couch with him sometimes, and then he'll get up and just go to his bed anyway. But it's you know, it's a nice way to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I slept wrong, and I woke up, and my back has fucking been killing me all day. Oh, really? I've had I've had some back problems. What? Well, just the same sort of thing, just from uh, everything. Like, I feel like I actually just started reading this book called Healing Back Pain. Have you heard of this book? Yeah, I, I own it. Have you, have you read it? Uh, I read it some of it a while ago, but I know how it's like all in your head. And all yeah, that. and it's the kind of thing where it makes me because you know, I have a bowel disease and I've had it for a long time. What's your bowel disease? I, I had colitis, 
I got I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was ten years old, but then I had my colon removed when I was what uh, nineteen or twenty? Twenty? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't have a colon anymore, but I still have obviously residual effects from uh, the whole thing. I have something. It's it's like colitis, but it's just of the the residual amount of right. bowels. It's called pouchitis. But either way, after reading, I read about half that book like last week. And it gets me. I'm just. I can't help but think that uh, that that was also something. It makes me just think about everything that ever ails me. How is this not just in my head from stress? It's like not just stress that's exacerbating itself physically. Well, because well, I think because if I remember correctly, the book deals a little more with chronic pain, right? And talks about how. People that are in accidents have chronic pain, and then long after they're healed, they still have the pain. Right. That's that's I think what he's talking about. Well, he's talking think... about he's talking about also because I've had chronic back pain for a long time. And did I was... you hurt your back though? No, I've never hurt my back. Well, because I feel like that book was based a lot on tying it to an incident or well, an event. I mean, I've read more of it than you. I think you probably so. have. He does talk about that, how for most people that is the case, is they tie it to an incident. But it's also a lot of people who just have, well, I don't know. i, I got to read more of it. Either way, it just makes me second guess more than I already do because there's all this stuff. I, I already second guess stuff like that so much. Well, I'm not doing that right now. Okay. Like I woke, I, I opened my eyes and my back hurt. Right. <laughs> I mean, I've gotten through the day. And it's going to be better. Yeah, you're I know, sleep in your bed. yeah, I just it's a muscle thing. I just slept weird. God, I thought maybe you would have like uh what do you call it? prolific and long-term back pain. No, I'm just not in a good mood because of it. <laughs> Cuz my stomach also fucking hurts really bad. Yeah. I don't know this stomach thing is worrying me. That's yeah, that's how I get. Yeah. I, I think I have stomach cancer right now. You do. Do you have like a hypochondria thing? Mhm. You do? Yeah. I feel like when we first met even you would be like this is me talking to you about that week in Toronto. I don't know. I just don't know if I want to go there. I just, I'm tired. I, cu- I couldn't sleep. And then I had this dinner. I just like, it felt so weird. I just, uh, it had like a lot, too much oil in it, but it wasn't, it didn't even taste good. And I, on this show, I, I don't know. I, I yeah. guess I'm going to go. That's that's what. <laughs> that's me. Yeah. And you're talking to your mom, I think, too. You're talking about something like, yeah, my mom said this or. What she said? I don't know. I just remember you talking about. Your mom. I was like, oh, this guy's so sweet because he's talking about – he's complaining about something physically and also ta- how he was talking with his mom on the phone. Oh. It's like, I talk to my mom all the time. You do? How often? Probably three, four times a week. Okay. That's pretty – that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's a lot. Yeah. We talk a lot. Well, th- that's three times a week maybe. I guess. Do you get annoyed by her? Yeah, like crazy. What's the most annoying thing? She doesn't do it anymore, but she used to do this thing where she would put her fork into my plate. What do you mean, put it in your plate? Like we'd be eating, and she'd she'd like put her fork into my food and be like, "I want to, let me just have a taste of this." Yeah, and it would drive me fucking crazy. <laughs> I think that's disgusting when people do that. <laughs> I hate when people do that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a food share guy. I'm not cheap. I'm not greedy. You just don't want to share the food. I just don't like sharing my shit. Like, get I mean, your own why shit. why should you? I'll buy you your own shit. But mm-hmm. I'm just... But, like, I've been out with girls, like, on dates, 
where they'll be like, you know what? I'll just eat some of yours. And I flat out will be like, no, no, no you won't. I'll get you whatever you want. But like, <laughs> unless I'm not that hungry, then I'll share it. Yeah. But even then, it's like, let's separate it on the plates. Like, I don't like all that fucking shit. It's gross. Yeah, because it's also weird where you, then it becomes, you have to negotiate. Oh, you're going to eat that? No, you have. Are you sure? Because I'll it's, pretty much eat whatever's left. I'll just gobble it. It's that whole thing, but it's like it's like the Seinfeld thing where he doesn't want to use. Oh, where the girl is like taking the nuts out of her mouth. Oh, really? At dessert. I don't remember that. She's like eating a sundae, mm -hmm. and every time she gets a peanut, she pulls it out of her mouth and puts it on the plate, and then he eats it because he doesn't realize she's taking them out of her mouth. Oh. And then George tells him. And he's all grossed out. And then the woman's like all offended by it. And it's like, it's like, it, it's not that you're gross. The idea to me of food in somebody else's mouth is gross. Yeah. It's what makes your breath smell. It gets stuck between your teeth. It literally rots in your mouth. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> so that's why I don't like sharing a toothbrush with somebody that I would have made out with 10 seconds ago. Oh, you definitely, sharing a toothbrush is only allowed uh, when it's a last case scenario. Yeah, it's if, just like... It's the only one that we have, fine. Yeah, anything I'm going to wash it. The intimacies of what's between your teeth, like, forget it. That's, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. So that's my take on that. That's 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 Joe DeRosa's take on what's the deal with with food and teeth, you no, know what I'm saying? Grievances. We're grievances. Still... We're, so gr we're still on grievances. We should have some music that's like grievances music. I wish I had some. All I have is like... Some sort of play really... up, like bad to the bone. Oh, that's one of my least favorite songs that exists yeah. on the planet. The song sucks, but play, but it's a great song for grievances. I don't think I even got it. That song is so bad to me that its badness, the connotation of it, sort of causes like a poison in my brain to where I can't think about anything else. I'm not a big George Thorogood oh, fan. The Again, worst. To go back the to worst. what I was saying about the start a chain reaction in the Who is... Who's that guy who played Swamp Pike? Swamp Dog. Swamp Pike? Like, the, the, I, I feel that way about George Thorogood, too. He's I, like he's like what 50-year-old white guys oh. think is like the blues. Well, Swamp Dog, you you definitely prejudged him because he is uh, very... He sounds a certain way, maybe the musicality of it, but right. it's very, very subversive stuff, for real. In what way? Like, every way. Lyrically, um, he's black, and he's like... Oh, he's grilled. black? Yeah. I thought that no, it's a black guy. I thought that was a white guy. It's Jerry Williams, man. I thought that was a white guy singing, uh, like soul music. No, that's he's a black dude. Yeah. And the song's about going to see another woman. Am I gonna get tweets now because I thought a black guy was a white guy? Yeah, you'll get. I could would only be so lucky. Please, please, uh, listen. Tell your friends about this podcast enough to where it's popular enough to where I get tweets about things that are said. That's the thing. I feel like for. As long as I've been doing a podcast, I always, not the whole time, but I started doing this thing where I purposefully would misspeak because I feel like nothing people love more than to send you a correction of right. what you do. But I feel like because I've opened that up to be like, oh, we're probably misspeaking now, but in the interest of a conversation, we're just going to let it let be the truth for now, and you feel free to correct us later. And because of that, uh, no one ever says like, "Oh, actually, it's this." Also, right. because no one gives a shit. I feel like also too. Also, because yeah, no one just. I think I've cultivated the listeners enough to where they don't. They know that I don't care. 
right. unless it's something I've asked for. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Do you get a lot of people who are like, yeah, you fucking did this and did that? Because you have a lot of, you have a cool amount of haters, don't you? At least you used to when you wrote that book, right? Can we talk about Cheat? that? Yeah. Uh, no. No, we didn't get a lot of hate from that at all. I thought you had, weren't you, didn't you have some bit about the, all the Amazon reviews and stuff that people no, would that say? No, that was about, that was about my friend Anthony uh, Kumia and I had gotten into a public dispute. Right, because this was back when he fucked up, right? When he was like... He, he, he had gotten uh, fired right. for some tweets, and then, and then I spoke out publicly about his tweets. Saying... Uh, condemning him. Condemning him. And then he fired back at me, and then we were firing back and forth, and then I got a lot of shit from a lot of people online. Oh, because people support... The heck out of From that. his supporters. Right, because he's, oh, he's Opie and Anthony, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. that was, yeah. But we since, um, we made up, God, two fucking years ago or something. That like, was funny, all that stuff you read. I've done though. his show since then, and like we've hung out, and we we laugh about it now. Now it's very okay. funny. But, uh, but yeah, those Amazon reviews were things that some of... I assume some of his supporters were writing. They were going. They were. They were getting at you by going to Amazon and reviewing your book. Like they were just talking. Well, shit no, about were, you. it was my album. Your so album, it wasn't okay. The book. I co-wrote that book with two other comics, Got Robert it. Kelly and, and Bill Burr. Oh, but really? I didn't, I didn't know uh, that. But that book was also meant to be funny. Like it was a comedic yeah, take on cheating. Obviously. Um, but um, but no, that they attacked my albums. Nobody attacked the book because they didn't want to fuck with Bill or Bob. Oh, right. So, um, but those reviews are very funny, and uh, and m- thankfully, my podcast listeners and fans have have helped bring the reviews back up to like three and a half stars. <laughs> they were at five, and then it went down to one. All it takes is a, so, a little bit of negativity to to really bring down the ship. So, uh, so, but uh, anyway, that's in the past. But it was funny when I did Anthony's show recently. Mm-hmm. You know, I went in and I was like, you know, it's really nice. Like, you're, I just want to thank on the air. I want to thank your fans because they've been sending me very nice messages all day. <laughs> they, no, they were. Okay, they, I thought you were doing that thing. No, where... no, no. They were sending me really nice messages. Like, yeah. we're glad to see you guys back together. Like, we're glad all the bullshit's over, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, so, um, you know, I was like, I just want to say thanks, man, because none of them were shitty to me. And he was like, oh, no, plenty of them have been shitty to you. You just blocked all of them. Uh, You're not seeing it. And I was like, oh, okay, well, don't. I don't want to see it then. <laughs> do you block a lot of people? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, I block you if you're shitty. Okay. I don't block you if you disagree with me. Right. I don't block you if you give a respect- respectful criticism. Uh-huh. But if you're shitty, right. yeah, I block you. And it could be something as simple as, I thought you said you was a comedian. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck off, dude. Do you ever think about muting instead of blocking? I always talk about this on the podcast all the time. About um, how this, my no. personal take is that muting is better because there's like this thing where a lot of people, they get satisfaction sure. out of being blocked because it's like, I got him. I got him so good, he blocked me. Hey, look at this screen cap. Guess who blocked? That's a big thing now, too. Even, a, even like left wing, not left, left wing, but people who are liberal or whatever, they will show how they got blocked by Scott Baio or got blocked by Trump or something. Like, look what I did. I'm such a badass. Yeah, they're idiots. It's like, oh, wow. And anybody cool. that takes pride in that is a schmuck. 
Well, the, so people and people take pride in it constantly, and, and both and all, on, on many sides. Yeah, on many <laughs> sides. sides. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and that's the that's the thing. It's like people take such pride in it. It's like, look, whoever you were trying to piss off, congrats, you achieved being a douchebag mm-hmm. to somebody. Like, uh, you know, and look, I'm not a Scott Bayo fan, right. but I also don't think the guy's inherently evil. Yeah, he just you know what I mean? confused. So it's like <laughs> he's, he's very confused. So it's like I'm not gonna get any pride out of somebody, you know, getting in a guy's head like that. I just I don't know. I, I just don't agree with that whole take. But um well, that's why I think But he, I block because blocking is It's finite. Muting is for friends. Hmm. Well I do both. I mute friends, I also mute people who I'm like, well, uh I wanna have I wanna I don't wanna give this person any ounce of satisfaction. Here's, but here's what I've experienced with a lot of the blocks. A right. lot of people have circled back around and said, please, can you unblock my friend? He apologizes oh. or whatever. So it's not always somebody reveling in it. So a lot of the time it's somebody being like, what the fuck, man? So, and then I'm always cool about that. I'm like, yeah, sorry, yeah. what did he say? Or whatever. But like, here's the thing. It's like, to me, blocking is the restraining order. Yeah. That's the, that's the real thing. It's like, it's like fuck you. You, you're not allowed in my space at all. I'm letting you know that. You can rejoice about that if you want. That's your thing. That's not mine. I don't care. I'm moving on. Muting to me is, I'm just not going to call that person for a while. Yeah. And to me, when somebody's an asshole and I don't know them, that goes beyond that. That's like, yeah, if this guy was like standing outside of my house, I would certainly do a lot more than just politely ignore him. Right. You know, so I block them. It's not my, you know, fuck it. Take joy in it. If that's what you get your joy out of in life, c- congrats. You've <laughs> aimed low enough that you've achieved your dreams. You my know? joy is getting blocked by celebrities or even or, not even or, celebrities, or, anyone. Or low-level comedians. <laughs> low-level comedians. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's so pathetic. It's super pathetic. You started off in, you're from Philly though, right? Yeah. But you started comedy in New York? Uh, no, I started in Philly. In Philly, but then when did you, did did you ever do comedy in New York? Yeah, for 10 years. 10 years. I moved there after about two years in Philly. That's how you know all those dudes, like Bill Burr. Bill Burr, Robert Kelly, Patrice O'Neill, Keith Robinson, fucking Nick DiPaolo. Yeah, all those guys. What made you? Colin Quinn. Oh, you're friends with Colin, right? Yeah. Yeah, that guy's great. Yeah, yeah. What a guy. Colin's the best. Yeah, he's a he's a fun guy. He's a special guy. I saw his uh, his show that unconstitutional at Montreal a couple of years ago. I was like, this is incredible. This I is like the pinnacle too. of what you can do as a stand up comic. I saw that too when he did that at Montreal. It was very good. It's like uh, the it's so beyond because you're doing you're doing history. It's a live performance. You have your own voice in there. Like what a thing. And it's funny. It's funny too. Yeah. It's funny constantly. Yeah, I. Uh, what was the one he did on Broadway? That was long story short. Right? Yeah, it's pretty similar. Was Constitutional on Broadway, or was that just uh, a special? I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, I, I, it's a great show. Yeah. He. Uh, but yeah, all those guys. Who else? Who else? Norton, Jim Norton. Um, uh, Sherrod Small, Artie Fuqua. Uh, That's a great name. It is a great name. Fuqua. Uh, Marina Fuck you. Franklin. No, it's Fuqua. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marina Franklin, you know, Amy. Amy was out there. Right. Amy started in, well, I don't know if she, 
I think she did. I think she started in New York. Amy Clickbait. <laughs> Amy Clickbait. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she's in the podcast next week. Amy Clickbait. Yep. No, oh, she's not. I'm just kidding. I know. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think you're thinking about ending it if you're about to have the biggest female uh, actor. I wonder if she would be a draw to the podcast. I feel like people would find a way not to find her here. I feel like that would help your podcast. Maybe temporarily. Amy's got uh, what you call heat. Heat. Yeah, I think she does have a lot of heat. I think, uh, but yeah, it was a big, uh, big, big pool of people yeah. out there. It was fun. And then you, when did you move out here? It's not for? like that anymore. I don't think. I mean, a lot of those people are still out there, but it doesn't. It doesn't. I don't find that this. The scene there is is much more broken apart. It doesn't have the cohesiveness that it did. Because at the same time that that all was happening on the club side of things, the independent or downtown or alt rooms, whatever right. you want to call them, side of things was like... It was blowing up. Well, but it, that was also like Leo Allen, David Cross, Janine Garofalo, Mark Marin. Like, yeah. You know, it was like... It was a scene. Yeah. There were two very, very uh, distinct scenes. Kristen Shaw... Right, Kurt Braunohler. So there you, were two very distinct scenes, right. and sometimes there was crossover, but uh, it doesn't. It's not like that anymore. But you don't consider yourself in any way to be part of that, do you? Part of alternative or anything like that? Well, sure, I do those rooms more than right. I do clubs. So I guess. But I mean, it's not a scene anymore. Now it's just independent shows. I mean, yeah. you know, you you can do alt rooms now that are. More drunk and infuriating than than the worst you know midwestern club room right. could ever be, so it's like you know you you um but i i I always tried to follow in the footsteps of uh, you know my my the guys I looked up to in New York were patrice Billy Billy who Burr okay <laughs> I've never heard him called Billy oh well, he used to go by Billy Burr and then Billy he changed Burr. it to Bill, yeah, well you know well, I don't know if he changed it. He, we used to always call him Billy, and then mm-hmm. somewhere it became Bill. I don't remember where. Yeah. But it was like... Uh, I call her Kate Couric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. goes by Katie. Everyone else calls her Katie. I call her Rick. Okay. I cut off the whole name except for the last syllable. I call her I.E. dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so, um, but I looked up... I really looked up to uh, Patrice, uh-huh. um, Louis, Bill, and Chappelle, because to me, those were four guys that seemed to be... Uh, straddling the fence pretty perfectly. Yeah, they could between they, the two scenes. I was right. like, they can go into either side and do the same stuff, and mm-hmm. it seems to be working on either side. So I always tried to just do that, you know. And it took me a while to learn because I used to do a thing where I would write for one side and I'd write for the other. And that and, hurts your head, it hurts yeah, your brain, and it doesn't work. And then you're yeah. you're doing mediocre in two places because you're not being authentic, right? Because so, you're, you're essentially pandering. Yeah, I started to think of like, well, how can I be authentic but not, right? Not be too isolated in one scene or the other. And a lot of it's just references, honestly. Mm-hmm. To me, a lot of it's references. You hear somebody do a great joke, and then they'll, you know, in the middle of it, they'll be like, you know, and it's like in the world according to Garp when they say, and it's like, what is that? I don't even know what that it's, is. It's a, it's a Robin Williams movie, and it was based on a book, a novel, okay. a famous novel, you know, but. My point is, is like somebody will sit, reference something like that. It's like, dude, if you change that goddamn reference, now you have a joke that works everywhere. Right. You know, but you put that precious fucking reference in the middle of it, and it's going to work in two coffee houses in mm-hmm. the East Village. Yeah, because it's so specific. Yeah, it's like, come on. So a lot of it to me was just that. But, um, but uh, you know, 
It's uh, I try I try my best to straddle. But Dana Gould was another guy that I really looked up. Janine, very much looked up to Janine. Garofolo. Yeah, Maria Bamford is mm-hmm. a huge. I think Maria Bamford's the best working comedian alive. Yeah, she's, uh, she's uh, magical. Really. Yeah, and I say it all the time. Yeah, but she's like watching... another one where it's like she'll crush on, she'll crush in. You know, at Largo, and mm-hmm. then she goes on Bob and Tom and fucking kills. Really? And those two things couldn't be any different, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm inspired by people that are able to do that, you know? It's pretty interesting. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's weird because it's, like a, it's so much about perspective. Because I started doing comedy in L.A., so I feel like I have a very bizarre perspective as to how that stuff all how it is because I didn't understand like I came up in this alternative scene and I just was trying to make myself seem alternative and an alternative scene so it's this weird right it's like a, such a weird yeah you don't you don't know what something is because you're inside of it as opposed to viewing it through someone else's experience when you're outside of it so you can you can look at it like I was saying before like about, about your role to bring it back around like I watch you on Better Call Saul, and I'm uh. like, "That's such a great role for Joe because it's that's Joe. Right. It's not you." And it's like I wish I could take step outside myself and watch everything I do and go, "What's the role that I've done or I'm doing that like okay, that's me, but me as a character." But there's you know? two different kinds of performers. There are character-driven performers, right. and then there are naturalistic. Uh, driven, you know, naturalistically driven performers. That's true. And, you know, I just veer towards the the natural side, and you veer towards the character side. There's nothing wrong with that. I envy guys that can, you know, like the Johnny Depp approach, where it's like they get lost in the character. Like yeah. I, I couldn't do that. I, oh, okay. I, I'm much more of a, you know, to me, it's always like Johnny Depp and De Niro are the two things. Because De Niro is always De Niro. Yeah, and he's some shade of Robert yeah. De Niro, but it's always great. And Johnny Depp is always a different human being, and it's always great. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I just look at it like that. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I also feel like you can't help but be yourself when you're playing a character, even if you are playing a character, because anything you're doing as a character, I mean, for me, when I, anytime I do a character, I feel like that's my voice is coming through there and maybe sort of, uh, a dark opinion I have about things that I don't share because I know it's it's bad. It's like me, me and the worst day, me and the best day. It's some right. it's some version of my brain. Sure. So it's still me. It's just sort of uh, it's being filtered through this this filter. I had an acting teacher tell me once that Richard Dreyfus told him they I guess they were in acting school together or mm-hmm. something. But he said Richard Dreyfus told him it's great to steal from somebody else. But it's even better when you learn how to steal from yourself. Ooh. So that's good advice. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. It's you just try to put a pin in what the thing well, is. Well, how am I when I'm sad? Well, I act like this. Mm-hmm. How am I when I'm scared? You know, I was doing a thing the other day and the guy was like, This startles you, so scream. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not gonna scream. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm What gonna was sh- it? Can you talk about it or no? It was a horror movie. Okay. I can't talk more about it, but right. it was a horror movie that will should be out soon. Um, but he was like, this startles you, so scream. And I was like, well, I'm not 
gonna I, respectfully. I wasn't a dick. I just yeah. was like, I'm not gonna scream because I wouldn't scream. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't. It's not gonna sound right. Yeah. Let me show with my face that I'm startled. And if you're not getting enough, then we can talk about it. Okay. You know. And he was like, No, that that works. Cool. Nice. You know what I mean? But it's like, so to me, that's like the whole thing. It's like you don't, you can't. You can't try to emulate, for me at least, you can't try to emulate, I can't. Mm-hmm. Well, this person does this when they're scared and it's really funny, so I'll do that. Yeah. Or whatever, you know? like. I guess it depends. It depends. It's on the situation a lot of times. Because sometimes when you do steal something, you can't, even though you are quote-unquote stealing it, it doesn't matter because you, like me wearing your shirt, it's still going to be your shirt. Right. Because it's... I guess that's not a very good analogy, but it's sort of like there's even though it's someone else's when it gets when it gets put on you, it looks it's like a like a perfume or something. Like perfume sure. smells different different people because it interacts with their their chemistry. So some people smell like oh that's that's a great that's a great cologne, and you buy the cologne. And I'm like doesn't doesn't smell good on me because sure. it's like oh it smells good on them. Sure. But maybe it would smell really good on me or different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like when you, yeah, you see somebody wearing a cool jacket. You're like, I'm going to go buy that jacket. And then you put it on and you're like, oh, it look, looks stupid. Yeah. I look even more white than I already am. Yeah, I get that with the <laughs> mannequins a lot in the store. Yeah. See a cool ass like sweater. I'm like, oh man, that I'm buying that. And then I try it on and I'm like, Oh, that mannequin had like shoulders and <laughs> muscles. And yeah, I always have that to terrible. I always have to have the shoulders brought into everything I do. Oh, you, can you do? I got to start doing that. My shoulders suck. Well, do I you mean, have like bad shoulders so like, too. Yeah, I have like narrow. I have ladies' shoulders. Yeah, I have really narrow shoulders too, and it makes all my shirts look fucking weird. And I have to find like the right shirt. I, I, I guess I never even thought of that. You can have the shoulders brought in. Well, I mean, this is more for well, if I'm working on something. I get my clothes. Tailored sometimes you do? after I buy them. I have, but not really. Yeah? Just took his headphones off. How much longer is this? How much longer do you want to go? <laughs> let's, uh, wrap, let's wrap it up, Joe. My stomach hurts, yeah, or okay. I have to take a shit really bad. <laughs> Did you start acting before you started doing stand-up comedy? No. So you, stand- so you got into acting after I mean, techni- stand-up? Technically, I started out, the first thing I ever did was... Um, oh, no. No, that's not true. No, I did stand-up first. Right. And then uh, right at the same time, I started doing dinner theater. Okay. That's fucking funny. <laughs> uh, and it was a way to pay the bills for a while. But oh, it also so helped, cool. it helped me greatly with my stand-up. Right. Because you had to do table work. You had to go table to table and do crowd oh, work. Oh, that makes sense. But then at what, po- at what point then did you sort of, did it more become mostly stand-up at some point? For you, like that was the big thing. Was stand-up? It not... was always about stand-up for me. It still is? Yeah, the, the the dinner theater thing was a was a means to an end. It, it, right. it helped me pay the bills and it helped me hone my craft. But it was all to work towards stand up. Got it. Uh, and stand up still my bread and butter. You you you're, you're, you go on the road. Yeah, I mean it's I love acting. I'll I'll do as yeah. much acting as I can land. You know, and I try to audition as frequently as I can, and I love doing it. But like at the end of the day, I'm never going to stop doing stand up because that's feels good. Well, it feels good, and it's also you, they can't take that away from me. Yeah, that's great advice too. I've gotten from comedian friends of mine who have who are more established. There's, they they can't take stand up away. They're like from never you. stop. They can't take it from you. They can yeah. cancel a show. They can't take stand up from you. It's true. So as long as you create enough of a demand to get booked mm-hmm. in clubs or wherever, it's like you can go work. Right. So why would I stop doing that? Yeah, it's like uh, throwing away your shovel. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like coming into the wind. Coming into the wind. Joe DeRosa, you can check him out all over the goddamn place. Online, horror podcasts. Yeah. Other podcasts on Feral Audio. We'll See You in Hell is on HeadGum. That's the horror one. Emotional Hangs, Kurt Braun- Braunohler and I discuss adult friendship. That's on uh, Feral. And my monthly column can be found in Penthouse Magazine. It's called You Let Me Down. Damn! Damn, You've been listening to Live the Tape? You've been listening to Live the Tape on the Feral Audio Network. Guest is Joe DeRosa. Please email me, live to tape podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review, and check out the brand new Patreon page. Here's music from Hortense Ellis. People make the world go round. Thank you.